0: Welcome to this episode of The Heart Podcast. I'm James Rudd. Today I'm delighted to have a conversation with Professor Robert Tullo. Robert is Professor of Paediatric Cardiology from Bristol in the UK, and he has a deep clinical and research interest in Kawasaki disease. We discuss his recent review published in Heart, which is called The Lifetime Cardiovascular Management of Patients with Previous Kawasaki Disease. This is an illuminating podcast and this is a, an illness which is becoming increasingly common for reasons we don't understand and these patients do have special requirements as they transition into adulthood, particularly those with large coronary artery aneurysms. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm delighted to be joined today on the podcast by Professor Robert Tullo. Uh Professor Tollo, could you introduce yourself for the audience?
1: Yes, thank you. I'm Professor Robert Tello. I'm a consultant paediatric cardiologist at the Bristol Royal Hospital for Children. Uh, I'm the clinical lead for paediatric cardiology in that area, and one of my main research interests is into children and young adults with Kawasaki disease and the cardiac complications thereof.
0: And Robert, with some esteemed co-authors, you've recently written a review uh, which has just been published in Heart, all about the lifetime cardiovascular management of patients with Kawasaki disease. Um, For those of us who are adult cardiologists and don't see children, could you tell us a little bit about Kawasaki disease? What kind of illness is it? How common is it?
1: Kawasaki disease is still a relatively uncommon condition, but it's becoming increasingly more common. It is a vasculitis of medium-sized blood vessels, uh, which has predilection for the coronary arteries. Uh, If those children are not treated early on, then about a third of them will get coronary artery aneurysms and hence the interest from a cardiology point of view. The cause is as yet unknown. It's thought to be either an infectious or toxin-mediated trigger in patients who are genetically susceptible. We have performed global GWAS studies and these have shown that abnormalities in the immunoglobulin receptor leads people to be susceptible to uh, in uh, contact and uh, submission with Kawasaki disease. The diagnosis is made based on the clinical features of a prolonged fever for five days or more, plus some of the associated symptoms which are seen in the vasculitis. And these are red eyes, red or swollen fingers, a red mouth with cracked, dry lips, a non specific rash and sometimes very large single lymph nodes which are found in the neck. Initial treatment is with uh, immunoglobulin and high-dose aspirin and sometimes with additional anti-inflammatory agents such as high-dose steroids, methylprednisolone or even TNF-alpha drugs such as infliximab in order to switch off that inflammatory process. If children are treated early on within the first few days of their illness, then the risk of coronary artery aneurysms falls significantly to well less than 17%. Uh, and is generally quoted to be around 45 to 5%. However, we just conducted a UK and Ireland-wide survey, and we found that about 17 to 20% of children, despite treatment, are still suffering from coronary artery aneurysms. And part of the reason for this is late diagnosis and late treatment. From a cardiologist's point of view, it's the ongoing consequences of the coronary artery aneurysms that are of particular interest to the adult cardiologist. We have uh, undertaken studies looking at young adults who are presenting with NSTEMI and found that about 4% of these patients will have had coronary artery aneurysm secondary to Kawasaki disease. And because the incidence is roughly doubling in its frequency every 10 years, It's recommended that it's going to be a significant health problem over the next 20 to 30 years. Certainly some young adults in London have suffered from adverse consequences, and this led to an NHS patient safety alert in 2016 advising people that if patients had suffered from coronary artery aneurysms and they presented with atypical chest pain or some symptoms which would be typical for Uh, angina, that this should be taken very seriously. They should be treated early on. And the treatment might be because they've got thrombosis in situ or because they've developed significant stenosis uh, after the aneurysm, which differentiates them from standard coronary artery ectasia. The treatment is rather difficult because in a standard patient, you might be performing coronary artery bypass surgery or stent. However, in the presence of a significant aneurysm, both are reported to be significantly uh, bad for the patient. They have extensive collateralization, and sometimes we find that balloon dilation or uh, even rotational atherectomy are rather better for these patients. So really, the purpose of the paper is to give guidance to adult cardiologists and, of course, pediatric cardiologists for those patients who are presenting who have known coronary artery aneurysms They then turn up to the emergency department uh, with chest pains or signs of NSTEMI or even STEMI This should be taken seriously. Uh, Both intervention and imaging should be undertaken as a matter of emergency treatment, uh, and hopefully this will improve the outcome for our patients.
0: And Robert, do we know why the disease is much commoner in Japan and the Far East?
1: It's an interesting question. We don't know yet what the etiology is. Um, A series of studies was performed in the late 90s where a mass spectrometer was taken up over the um, continent and sampled the air in the troposphere. Uh, And they found that when the wind was blowing off the steppes of China onto Japan, there was a huge outbreak of Kawasaki disease. When the wind was blowing the other way, there were many fewer cases. So this raised the possibility of an etiological agent either a virus or a candida or some toxin, perhaps insecticide, coming off the steps of China. Uh, And this is the feeling the same has occurred in this country. In our papers, we've shown that much more likely to get Kawasaki disease per head of population if you live in rural areas and close to bodies of water than if you live in the city. Uh, And I think it's clear that something about the Japanese, both the genetics or the trigger factor, is more likely, but the incidence is rising globally. Uh, everywhere in the country we're seeing many more cases
0: and is that just over the last let's restrict this maybe to the UK the incidence has changed a lot over the last 20 years you're saying even within the UK itself
1: yes it has in fact we have just uh, undertaken a freedom of information study looking at UK admissions with the diagnosis of Kawasaki disease between 2006 and 2019 and we found the incidence has gone up fourfold during that period alone so it's now the commonest cause of acquired heart disease in the western world
0: Wow, that's a stunning statistic, and certainly I wasn't aware of that. Um, And I should say that your review has been endorsed by the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health, uh, the Royal College of Physicians, the British Cardiovascular Society, and the Royal College of Emergency Medicine. Um, Maybe we can start sort of moving on from the outline that you've painted there of the disease. How do we detect whether children uh, either have or are likely to develop the aneurysms? What kind of imaging do we use?
1: Well, for children, we get fantastic pictures on echocardiography. Uh, it's very easy to see the proximal coronary arteries in children, especially bearing in mind that 80% of the patients with Kawasaki disease are under the age of five when they first present. Uh, the highest risk children are those who are infants, where we get beautiful pictures of their coronaries right throughout the, cardio, the um, coronary tree. So echocardiography is excellent for the diagnosis. And certainly those with a significant animism have proximal dilatation uh, a few millimeters into either the right main or left main coronary artery. Then we find that we get good imaging with CT scan. Uh, we have to use quite a lot of beta-blocker metoprolol in small children to get the heart rate down, but we can have very clear imaging for uh, children with CT scan. And the same is true with adults. For more complex imaging, looking at function or perfusion, then we turn to cardiac CMR.
0: Okay and in terms of your paper you describe in table one the classification of different levels of coronary artery dilatation and aneurysm formation and you divide people into five different groups I think it is. Can you talk a little bit about how those five different groups need to be followed up and and treated in adulthood?
1: Yes I think what is very important uh, we often stress this that People who do not have coronary artery aneurysms and have never had coronary aneurysms can be discharged and reassured with just general health advice from cardiologists or GPs at point of discharge. As you can imagine, there's clearly a large amount of anxiety. Uh, But bearing in mind that 80% of of patients uh, will have never had a coronary artery aneurysm defined as a Z-score of more than 2.5 after six weeks into the illness, so they can be discharged.
0: So 80% will be, will be fine long-term? Yes. Okay.
1: And then you've got the next group, uh, those children with small and medium aneurysms. So Z scores between 2.5 and 10. So these children clearly had an aneurysm. Uh, they are maintained on low-dose aspirin, and they are followed up in a cardiac clinic with an interest in Kawasaki disease. And we will then study them uh, and follow them Infrequently with appropriate stress imaging. So the small aneurysms might have stress imaging every two to five years, but echocardiography still remains the baseline. Those children who've got larger aneurysms within that group would have more complex stress imaging, perhaps echo stress imaging, um, MRI. We're not yet uh, using CTFFR, um, but that might become, might become the standard for the future in order to predict significant stenosis. However, the most important group are those who've got giant coronary artery aneurysms. This is where a Z-score is more than 10, or if you like the absolute measurements, more than 8 millimeters in diameter. Uh, and giant aneurysms are a significant risk to the patient. They've got 30 to 50 percent lifetime risk of MACE, major adverse coronary event. This might be death or transplantation or bypass surgery. So these these children and young adults need to be followed very carefully. They have to have formal anticoagulation with warfarin. We're not yet using DOACs in children, but this might become standard of care in the future. Uh, And we will perform CT imaging initially and then stress imaging annually in order to look for evidence of perfusion defect uh, every year to make sure that these children are safe uh, and giving them lifestyle advice as they progress into young adulthood.
0: And do we know why some patients are safe from aneurysms later on? Is it because the intravenous immunoglobulin therapy is given early, the diagnosis is made early, and therefore presumably the inflammation is more damped down? Do we, is, there a, is there a response to treatment effect there we're seeing?
1: There are, there are two answers to that question. One is the, the genetic predisposition, and, and both us and the Japanese are doing studies to see if we can identify those at highest risk factor for uh, developing the aneurysms and the other as you rightly say the earlier the treatment the better in our uh, UK wide study we showed that those children who were treated before 6.8 days were very unlikely to have coronary artery aneurysms whereas those treated over 10.2 days all had aneurysms so the earliest we treat them the better Uh, and even if they have a small aneurysm this is very different from their long-term future from having a giant aneurysm with all its consequences
0: So if you have a patient who has uh, large aneurysms, is treated or has been treated with intravenous immunoglobulin during the acute illness, but is unfortunate to to end up with aneurysms, you say that warfarin is often used. Are there any other drug therapies in adulthood uh, that have been shown to be useful?
1: Yes, so we use both warfarin and aspirin, um, making sure we have the anticoagulation and the antiplatelet effect. Uh, In the chronic not much else is needed unless obviously they suffer from uh, significant ischemia in which case it would be the same as for any adult any other adult if they have myocardial infarction then you would clearly add beta blockers. Uh, We quite like the use of statins in these patients both for their um, uh, anti-cholesterol effects but also for the anti-inflammatory effects which uh, have been documented in these patients.
0: And things like exercise uh, professor how do you counsel the parents and then the young adults themselves after a a diagnosis of Kawasaki with with aneurysms present?
1: Uh, As with any cardiac disease, exercise is an important part of therapy uh, and we advise regular uh, exercise. Clearly if they're taking formal anticoagulation, the young child has to be protected against contact sports uh, and they need to make sure they're not having head injuries so they may wear a helmet in the school playground but exercise is very important in terms of improving their cardiac efficiency and helping them to develop collateralization. If the the fibrous tissue develops and starts to form some stenosis, these patients are very capable of forming profound collateralization, and this may protect them against a coronary event in the longer term.
0: And towards the middle of your paper, you talk about a person-specific protocol uh, being useful for anybody who's had a history of KD and now has a risk level three or above. Um, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, it's it's clearly important that uh, both patients, parents, doctors and other healthcare professionals understand the urgency for which these children and young adults need to be treated. Typically, the Uh, ischemic effects are seen 10 to 15 years after an episode of Kawasaki disease, so you're talking of young teenagers or older teenagers or young adults who are going to suffer from uh, an acute event and therefore it's important that there's a very clear pathway for getting this patient to the specialist care that it needs. If a 15-year-old were to present with chest discomfort to the local emergency department, they may not recognize this as a serious consequence of Kawasaki coronary artery aneurysm. Hence, getting the patient very rapidly to the cardiac center, be it the heart attack center for adults or a cardiac center for children. Um, this would allow uh, appropriate thrombolysis, should it be appropriate, or emergency intervention in the cardiac catheter laboratory uh, as appropriate.
0: And these. Uh... Uh, specialist plans presumably are developed while the patients are in the convalescent phase uh, because you already know roughly, you know, if they're going to have aneurysms or if they've already got them.
1: Yes, that, that's important. So what we're doing is we're issuing the patients with a guideline so they can present them to the emergency department or to their ambulance service and say, this is where we want to be taken. This is the contact number. They have a copy of their ECG, which is very helpful. So they turn up into a department a lot of emergency medicine departments will not recognise the normal paediatric ECG and therefore may generate concern unnecessarily. But if there's comparison with the standard ECG, that's helpful. And also the parents have a copy of the angiograms or the CT scans available. Uh, they take that with them wherever they go. So if they turn up to another department, then it can be used as comparison in the emergency
0: situation. And if bad things do happen in terms of the the aneurysms and there is either thrombosis or occlusion of the coronary arteries without any collaterals or arrhythmias, for example, is treatment generally similar or does having a large ectatic aneurysmal coronary artery make a difference when you're an interventional doctor?
1: Yes, I think it it does make a big difference. Um, I think thrombolysis is the key. It's usually um, either thrombus in situ, which has got worse, or it's been that they've got a stenosis and they've got a thrombosis on top of this. So we are very keen that patients should start thrombolysis very quickly uh, and then proceed immediately to the um, cardiac surgical center and to the catheter lab, where often balloon dilation can be the, the treatment of choice. Uh, it's not really uh, appropriate for them to undergo uh, coronary artery bypass surgery. We found that we get competitive flow uh, and the, uh, the graft, be it vein um, graph uh, less so uh, the arterial graphs can become occluded quite quickly
0: and in terms of other therapies you mentioned their transplantation does that happen uh, rarely uh, hopefully it does but occasionally uh, that's required is it
1: yes it is required we have several cases of children um, who've had um, is my ischemia following karasaki uh, aneurysm occlusion uh, that have had to progress onto transplantation because of such poor heart function but luckily, it is very uncommon, but it's something that's clearly devastating for the family, a treatable disease.
0: And in the UK, at least, in the stable phase, so so patients who aren't having any symptoms from their KD, you do talk about specialist regional KD clinics. Are these uh, becoming more widespread and easier to access for patients? I mean, how many are there across the UK?
1: There, are, there aren't many, and part of the point of this is to establish within the um, reference networks both the congenital heart networks for children uh, and the adult cardiac networks to make sure that there's somebody who has an interest in Kawasaki disease. Uh, but as you rightly say, there are very few. Um, as far as I know, there are only two or three uh, across the south of England. Uh, and we really need to have a few more. One per major cardiac centre would be sensible. So there's somebody who's familiar with the drugs, familiar with the complications, and they're familiar with the guidelines that we've suggested in this paper.
0: Brilliant. Well, I think that's a a really good summary, and hopefully that will educate and prompt people to go and look at your full paper. It's 37 pages. It's a very comprehensive document with uh, many figures and tables explaining how we should navigate through uh, through this disease, which, as you say, surprisingly, is becoming much more common in the UK.
1: Thank you very much.